0: There are no, there's only one God. And Paul writes that and says, we all know there's only one God. However, some men call things God, and they do. There are people who, according to Romans chapter 1, change the glory of the incorruptible God into a bird, a man, a creeping thing. That, that's what it says. I mean, think about Egypt. Uh, when you go and, and you see all the plagues on the Egyptians, every one of the plagues was against, was against one of the gods of Egypt. They worship the Nile. They worship the sun. They worship bugs. They worship grasshoppers. They worship cows. They were, that's why the judgment were on all of those things, showing that the true God judges the gods of Egypt. And they're not really gods. And so when these people are bouncing around saying, Oh, Baal, listen to us, no wonder there's no voice, no attention, no answer. Why? Because there's no such thing as well. Now, there are demonic forces in the world because we have a fallen world. Satan controls the fallen world, which affects us. But that's not God. That's demons. That's angels. So look what happens. Now, then Elijah said to all the people, after about a while, he says, do you think y'all have done enough? Are y'all tired? Would you like to take a break? You know, because you're bleeding. Would you like to get some bandages, wrap up, sit down over there, maybe for a little bit, get something to eat, you know. He's probably saying, because, you know, I don't, I don't think he's coming back, just to be real honest with you, right? So then he says, Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. Now, by the way, you think I'm sort of making fun. I'm not making any more fun than he did. Listen, Elijah, he, he made fun of them. He made fun of them, and he made fun of their gods, their false god. And, and so when we're laughing and saying, he said, y'all can sit over there for a while. That's what he told him. Maybe he ought to cry out louder. Maybe he's gone to the bathroom. Maybe he's gone on a trip. Maybe he's fallen asleep. Elijah called all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near. He said, I want everybody to gather around. Gather around. So he wanted everybody to gather around. So all the people came near to him. And notice, this is unusual. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Now, we do not we seen that up to this point. Because all he said is, each one of us is going to make an altar. But there had been an altar there. An altar to the who? What does it say? There had been an altar... Uh, that he repaired the altar of the notice, L O R D. This is an altar of the true for the true God. There had been time that people worshipped God there, but what, why aren't they worshiping God anymore there? Because they've all turned away. They've all turned away to false gods. They've all turned away to Baal. The nation of Israel has is gone back. Listen, let me ask you a question: What happened to the Northern Empire? Anybody know? What happened to the Northern Empire? What? They got taken off into captivity in 722 by the Assyrians. Why? Because they turned away from God, worshipped false idols. The prophets told them, judgment's coming. He's going to remove you from the land, and they did. What happened to the southern kingdom? 605 BC, 598, 585, three deportations. The Babylonians came in and took them off and destroyed the temple. Why? Because the southern empire turned away from God, worship false gods. The prophet said, you better get back to God or judgment's coming, and judgment came. That's exactly what happened. And so here, there used to be an altar to the Lord there, but it's not there anymore. And so they, they neglected. They neglected the place of worship. Now remember, what is worship? Worship is responding to God. Listen, people, people think the music's worship. I've had people come up and say, I really love the worship and the teaching. And I go, well, the worship and the teaching are, you know, the music and the teaching are both worship. The giving is worship. Praying is worship. Responding to God. Worship is responding to God, who he is and what he's done. Who is he? He's the eternal son of God. What did he do? He died and rose again and gives us eternal life. If you're thinking about worshiping Jesus Christ, if you think about worshiping the Father, who he is? He's the eternal God. What did he do? He's in his son. I mean, so you can look at it in any kind of way you want to, but worship is responding to God. Just remember that. When we come in here and we sit down and we start the music, that's, you're, you're worshiping God. When you give, you're worshiping God. When we're praying, you're worshiping God. When you're studying through the Bible and saying, I'm going to make application, I'm going to understand this, you're worshiping God. That's what it is. So they, they rebuilt in this altar. Look what it says. So Elijah said, Come near to me. So all the people came near, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And Elijah took 12 stones. Notice this. Twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Now think about this. He took twelve stones. Now, what happened? What happened to the nation? All twelve tribes together? No. They're divided. Ten tribes to the north, two tribes to the south, Judah and Benjamin is the south, that's called Judah. The other ten tribes of the north, that's called Israel. They're not even together, but what does he do? He gets twelve. He didn't just get ten. He got 12 stones to build the altar. Notice what it says. So he took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. When he says Israel, he's not just talking about the northern empire. The northern empire was called Israel, but that's that's, uh, Jacob. That's it. So with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Notice, every time so far you see Lord, it's all capitals, because he's telling you the personal name of God. He made the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. It's a big trench. Now, let me just tell you what. He built this altar with these 12 stones, got it all set there. He's going to put wood there and the ox. And normally you would then have a fire and burn it up. But the challenge is God brings the fire. So they had this altar over there with their oxen on it and wood. No fire ever came. God never answered. He's built an altar, put the wood on it, put the ox, but then he decides to do something that's unusual. He says, let's dig a trench all the way around the altar. And so they dig this trench. And, and you say, what's, what's the trench for? Well, uh, we'll see. So they dig the trench. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox into pieces and laid it on the wood. And then here's what he says to do. Fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Okay, so he says, I'm going to make it harder for fire to come and burn this thing up. Let's just, put, let's just wet it down real good so they won't burn as easy, right? I mean, you know, when you wet something, you know, if you got wet wood, it won't burn very well. So they get these pitchers and they pour it. And he said, that's good. And then he says, let's do some more. So he said, fill four pictures of water and pour it on there burn off in the wood. And he said, let's do it a second time. And they did it again. And they did And he said, let's do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water flowed around the altar and filled the what? The trench. So now there's an altar that's wet as can be. And then there's a, a trench all the way around it filled with water. That No tricks there. No little match is going to get that thing going, is it? Nothing's going to get that thing going. And so you look at it, and you could say, if you are the prophets of Baal, you're saying, he's really making a mistake. It's going to be really hard to set that on fire. I mean, ours isn't wet. his is. He's wetted on purpose. And so they did this, and so water filled the trench. Now, here's the question that we asked last week. Where did they get the water since there's been a drought? And remember, they've looked everywhere, and things have all dried up. Where in the world are they going to get the water that all these big Pitchers, and by the way, these pictures are not like a little pitcher in pool water. They're those giant ones, you know, you pick up and you know, people pour it on there. And there's four each time. So there's been at least 12 pitchers of water everywhere. And where did they get the water? They got it from the Mediterranean Sea. Look. They just went down Mount Carmel, got to, the, got to the Mediterranean Sea and brought the water there. I mean, it's not the water you're going to drink because it's seawater. It's not fresh water. But he got that water from there. And by the way, just remember, this is, this is where uh, he, uh, Elijah grew up over here in Tishbe. He came to Samaria to confront the king. He went back over here to the brook. He went back up to Zarephath, which is where that widow was from. He's now come to Mount Carmel for the big contest. And so we're going to see what happens in the big contest. Watch what happens. The water flowed around the trees. Now, verse 36. At the time of the offer of the evening sacrifice, now it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, it's not a coincidence that he waited to 3 o'clock because in the Jewish sacrificial system, which they're all under, now the Northern Kingdom rejected it, built golden calves and had their own worship system. Do you realize that? He builds it and now it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which would be the evening sacrifice for the Jewish people. It says this. Now, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, all four, all capitals, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that's Jacob, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Now, I want to show you three things. He said, you are God. You're the true God. I am your servant. He belongs to the true God. I have obeyed. Who told him to put that altar there and call down fire? God did. You know, we're thinking, where did he come up with his plan? God told him to do it. So God's just been sitting over there. I mean, uh, Elijah's been sitting over there waiting and saying, I'll be glad when it's my turn, but I'm going to let them go until they wear out. And they've worn out. And now he's built the altar. And he says, Notice again, he says, He says, I, you are the God in Israel. You are the true God. I am your servant. And I have done all of these things. I want you to think about this. What about us? Is God the God? He is. Is our Lord the God? Are we his servants? We've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in our bodies. We are to obey. In the same way that Elijah said, you are God, I am your servant, I have obeyed. We should say, you are God, I am your servant, I will obey. That's what we're supposed to do. The same thing. And so in front of all these people, look what he says. O oh Lord, and, and, and he says, I am your servant. And then look at verse 37. He said, O oh Lord, answer me. Answer me, that this people may know that you, O oh Lord, all capitals, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. He wants the people to come back to God. Do you remember? Back in the verse 24 when it says, you will call upon the name of God and I'll call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Did I told you to remember that? Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you are Lord, our God, and you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Fire came out of heaven. Look, it, it, it didn't just burn something. It destroyed it all, even the stones. And we're talking about fire there. We're talking about something that came out of heaven like a, it's gone. It's gone. Even, even all the water's gone. Everything's gone. Think about this. The 450 prophets, they called for, they could have called for nine hours. We know at least six hours, but they could have called even for Nine hours. Elijah spoke. That's all he did. He didn't jump around. He didn't chant. He didn't get a knife out. He didn't run around the circle. He, he, all he said is, Lord, answer by fire. And the fire came down. Can you imagine that? I bet uh, people lost eyebrows. I bet they all singed up and everything. They went, "Whoa, whoa, man. What do you think they're going to say? What do you think they're going to say? Remember back over there in verse 24? Whoever answers by fire, he is God. Look what happened in verse 39. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, what? He is God. The Lord, he is God. They recognized that he's God. He's the true God. The Lord answered. And they, what did they say? Wow. He really is God. He really is the true God. Now this is sort of a revival. Or so it looks. Now, if you're one of the 450 prophets of Baal, what do you think? You're going, well, you know, I thanks. We're going to go on back home now and, uh, you know, go back to our temple. But that's not what's going to happen. Because what are they now? They're called false Prophets. And according to Deuteronomy 13, verses 13 through 15, what do you do with false prophets who say they speak for God and they're false? What happens to them? They put them to death. Look at verse 40. Then Elijah said to them, he said to the people who are now on their faces, who say, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, did not let them escape. They seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. You can see them lined up. Next, cut your head off, cut your throat. We think that's gross. He's killing, he killed 450 people because they're false prophets, because they're people who are leading people astray, because Ahab is leading people astray, because Jezebel is leading people astray. And let me tell you something. We're going to see the end. You're going to see what happens to Ahab, and you're going to see what happens to Jezebel. You know, Jezebel, let I me mean, just give you a little heads up. Jezebel is older, and she looks out the window of the castle, and she yells some curses at Yehud, some people coming into the city. And they go, anybody on my side? And a couple of people are go, yeah, we're on your side. So throw her out the window. They threw her out the window. She hit the side of the building, and she fell all the way down to the ground, and then it ran over with horses. That's what happened to her. You'll see what happens to Ahab, too. You think they get away? with leading people astray? Do you think God lets them get away with leading people astray? Do you think he lets these 450 prophets of Baal get away by leading people astray? He does not. They took them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Great victory for Elijah. And listen, we're not through. Because a lot of times we say, that was a great victory, and now the next thing's bad. It's not over with. You're going to see something next week you will not It's actually, it's not humanly possible next week. And you'll see it. It's dealing with Elijah again. And we'll see what happens. So let's do this. At the time we got, we got about three minutes. So we've seen the challenge. We've seen the true God will answer by fire. Baal's prophets went all, you know, six or seven or eight, nine hours. And then Elijah called on God. Fire came down, burned it all up. And uh, then they killed the 450 prophets. And they said, the Lord, he is God. It's a revival right there, a brief revival. Now, you would think if you're Elijah, and this was one of the great days of your life. I mean, probably, I think the greatest day of Elijah's life was raising that little boy from the dead. But here, this great victory, and then we're going to see what happens because you know what he's going to do next week? He's going to pray. He's going to pray a long time to get the rain coming because God said, pray for rain. And he starts praying and he keeps going, any clouds out there? And he keeps sending this guy out and he goes, nope, no clouds. And they go on back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But then something happens that he does, which is amazing. And then something bad happens. And we'll see that as well. So let me give you some applications. Let's, let's serve the true God. We, who, we, we have trusted Jesus Christ, but the, the, and, and that, that's a gift. It costs us absolutely nothing, but we're to serve him. And, and, and he's made himself known. On Mount Sinai, we saw his character. On Mount Carmel, we saw his majesty and power. And, uh, uh, and then on the Mount of transfiguration, we see him as the king. Think about that. Mount Sinai, you got the law. You saw his character. On Mount Carmel, you saw his power and majesty as he brought down the fire. But on the Mount of transfiguration, you saw him as the king. So we know who he is. And you know what? We say, you are God. And I am your servant. And I have obeyed. Or I am going to obey. We got to do it, y'all. There's, I mean, why are we here? Why did he leave us on this earth? Why are we here? It's not just to go through life. Let me just say something to you. Do you want to end your life by saying, I just went through life? Or do you want to say, I was used by God to touch lives for Jesus Christ? When you stand before him and he says, will he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will he just look at you and go, "I, I don't know. I just went through life. We're not just supposed to go through life. We're supposed to touch lives for Jesus Christ. We got to do it. He is God. We are the servants. We must obey. The second thing is let's worship. Well, let's worship God because that's, that's, that's what they did that day, and the fire came down, and they worshiped God. Let me, let me give you something just to think about. I know we're just about out of time, but look at this. Offer a sacrifice today. You say, wait a minute, I offer a sacrifice? We don't offer sacrifices. Yeah, we do. Now, they're not sacrifices dealing with sin. First of all, the first sacrifice you offer is your life. I beseech you, brother by the mercies of God to present your body as a living and holy sacrifice, pleasing to God, which is spiritual service and worship. So we offer our lives. The second thing is we offer up praise. In Hebrews 13, it actually says we offer up praise. As you give to somebody else, that's a sacrifice of giving. And so there are sacrifices we can offer up. If you've never said to God, I want you to take my life, and I want you to use me for your glory, today could be the day. Now, that's scary. Because you, all of a sudden you're saying to God, I don't want control of my life anymore. I want you to control my life. I want to live for you instead of living for me. I want to do what you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do. I know it's going to be scary and it's really tough, but I give it to you. That may be where some of you are today. It may be that today is, you've done that before and today you're lifting up a sacrifice of praise. Or maybe you're going to help somebody. You're going to give give to somebody and that'll be a sacrifice as well. The second thing, just to think about remove anything that will hinder our worship. You know what I've been doing lately? And I know I'm running out of time. Whenever we sing, I'm really looking at the words. I'm really thinking about the words. Because it's so easy to know a song and just kind of sing it. And you really, am I the only one that's ever done that? Or do y'all do that too? Do we all kind of just kind of, and then you say, what song was that? You know? I've been really trying to think of the words while we're singing them and, and think about you know, you know, not letting anything stop me from thinking about what I'm singing to, to Jesus Christ. That's what we should do. Last but not least is let's remember that God hears our prayers. He hears our prayers. You know, we don't have to jump around. We don't have to cut. We don't have to do anything. Uh, we, we don't have to beg for God's attention. He never leaves or forsakes us. He hears everything. He is always there for us. And we saw what he did for Elijah What will he do for us? How will he use us for his glory? May we do that.